Merry Christmas and welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. It's Advent and it's time to prepare for Christmas. So over the next four weeks, we will talk about the different topics of Advent. Peace, hope, joy, and love. I hope you'll join us and we can all prepare for Christmas together. and welcome to the table. We are in our Advent series, and today I am very excited to have a good friend of mine. We go to church together, and sometimes I miss the service because we're having such good church out in the lobby talking. And so I'm so excited to have her here to have a conversation about Advent peace. So welcome to the show, Kelly Gordon. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I'm smiling big and laughing because it's true. (laughs) I think if you're going to say that the big C church is the people, that's okay then, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you miss a service that you can have some good communion and community out in the lobby. And yeah, talking to you is a highlight always. (laughs) We always have such good conversations. Yeah. So today we are going, well, why don't you first tell us a little bit about you so people know who, who I am. you are. Well, where do I start? Yeah. It started yeah. back in 1972. <laughs> um, probably one of the things that's most relevant because I'm here on your podcast is mm-hmm. that I also podcast. Um, so I am the co-host of a podcast called The Sort of Awesome Podcast. It's kind of a women-centric podcast mm-hmm. to help women become strong, smart, and social is our tagline so that we want to inform and really have community. Mm-hmm. So you know, do those social pieces. But we just... We really want it to be a positive, upbeat sort of thing in your week that you feel like you're having that really good, smart conversations with your girlfriends. And you have a really great, strong community offline. We do. We, or we have online, a, I guess. On, yeah, online, online, but not, not behind the mic. Right. Yeah. So there are uh, three of us who are regular co-hosts, but we also have a Facebook group, you know, a closed mm-hmm. Facebook group, which I think probably most people are in one, if not like me. Yeah. Multiples of ones. <laughs> Multiples. Uh, they're great. We have over 5,000 women in there that wow. just talk and do life. And the really cool thing is the founder of our podcast, Meg Teets, she has set from the beginning this example. We've been on, um, I think we're going to be four years in 2019. From the beginning, she has said, I, I really want this to not be a place where people just come to vent, mm-hmm, you know, where sometimes mm-hmm. stuff can be like that and it just it drags it down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have a problem that you're like, wow, my mother-in-law did this, but I, I don't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. We would love to help you, but we don't want it to be, ugh, my, my husband. Yeah, my mother-in-law, my mm-hmm. kids. Um, so because of that, it's this really wonderful, sparkly place on the internet where it tends to be positive and encouraging mm-hmm. and, and your people who are on your side and helping you become the better version of yourself instead of just being right. something that isn't always that. Right. So yeah, it's really cool. It's, it, it is. It's a community. And that's one of the great things mm-hmm. I think about this digital age we live in, right? Right. Is you can take things back and forth yep. from the mm-hmm. digital world. There, I have friends that I have never met in real life. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Right. And then there's people who cross that divide. And what's great about that is that sometimes things are, things are maybe too fresh or too hard yes. to the bring to the people that you do life with. Yes. So to have a little bit of anonymity, to go to a group like that and ask a hard question that right. you might not be able to feel comfortable doing that with the people that you like the flesh and blood yeah people you do life with exactly to, to be able to say I have a potential job change or my husband's facing this situation mm-hmm. or yeah it's really great to have people I mean that's the when the internet is working 
as it can. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best That's things best. it offers. You know, back from the beginning days of mom blogs, which I had used to, to do, mm-hmm. I think that idea that you're not alone, mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. sit in your living room surrounded by small children and, you know, diapers and, and noses and yet have another mom being like, yep, it's hard for me today too, but we're going to make it. Right. Yeah. Do you still blog? I don't really blog. I still have my blog. It's called lovewellblog.com. Mm-hmm. But it's I mostly just use it now to sh- as like a place to share recipes. Oh. I don't write too much. <laughs> I found, and this is interesting because I am a writer to some degree. I, I was a journalist by training. Mm-hmm. So that's in my background. Um, I came across blogging right at the time that my children were young and that whole world was taking off. And it was great because I was living in a community where I didn't know people professionally. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a way for me to connect to you know, your writer nerd friends, mm-hmm. I, I joked, you know, mm-hmm. like people who, who really love to do that. Mm-hmm. So that is my background. But once I started podcasting, I said, oh, you know what I found is that I really, it's easier to talk right. than yeah. it is for me to mm-hmm. write. And I still mm-hmm. do write and I will and I journal and I think it's important. But as we are now would say more, maybe I'm a communicator. Mm-hmm. And so I'm better at doing it in person or in voice than I am on the written page. Yeah. That was part of the reason why I did a podcast versus a blog for this because writing, I edit, I have a thicker editor from my head to my fingertips typing. Unfortunately, sometimes my editor is not as strong from my head to my mouth. And it's just easier to, for me, to process through speaking yes, something. Exactly. I'm a verbal processor. So there is an app on my phone called Voxer. Mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. similar if you know Voxer or Marco Polo. Um, they're both you know, in real time, but you're, you're making it as a recording somebody yeah. can listen to later, either voice or voice and visual recording. And I have found that that is my, my key way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is more truly me is what I have found. And I do have some friends who are writers who will say, I'm more truly me on the written word. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I've better expressed myself. I've better said exactly what I want to say when I have that process going from my head to my fingers. And then there's some editing. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost the opposite. Maybe maybe it's just that my natural personality <laughs> is a little more seat of the pants, mm-hmm. you know, take me with all of the warts and the stutters and the, hey, likes and ums. Right. But I feel like Mine it's more so. representation. So, yeah, when yes. I started listening, so not just so, but a good Minnesota like, long. <laughs> oh, so. Oh, that's so impressive. <laughs> yeah. I say like. That's what I've found. The more excited and the more casual I get, mm-hmm. I say like and then like and like. <laughs> it's like a Valley Girl thing. Funny. Oh, goodness. So, today we're going to talk about peace, Advent peace, what peace means to you. So, what what is it that you kind of think of first when I asked you? Yeah. Well, I was immediately conflicted Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) because peace is a complicated word. Mm -hmm. I think that there are cultural definitions Mm -hmm. that maybe aren't the way that I always define the word. So, of course, my first thought was what I think most of us, if you grew up in the West um, with the Christmas mythology, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. which I often like to say even with that, you know, Advent has become a very important season to me. But it is a little bit different than what I would call Santa Christmas, Mm -hmm. which I also enjoy. And I've gotten back to the point where I can enjoy it. For a while, I almost couldn't because they were so enmeshed. I needed to do this kind of ripping apart of there's this Jesus stuff and this religious piece that is so deeply meaningful. And Advent is a season of waiting and Mm -hmm. longing and not consumerism Mm -hmm. and Hallmark movies. 
you know, where everything is tied up neatly in a bow. It's right. it's like they're antithetical. So once I kind of was able to separate them, I was able to see them both for what they really are. Mm-hmm. And then I could say, okay, well, the, the Santa Christmas piece is okay. It's a part of, you know, good memories and it's fine mm-hmm. to some degree. Obviously, there's things we have to push back against. But that idea of peace is the gently falling snow. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is around the fire and they're reading books and something that probably really doesn't happen in real life all that often, <laughs> right. you know, uh, but everybody, no one's fighting and we're all eating popcorn. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. just this, huh. It's like the absence of conflict. It's the absence of conflict and, and even quiet, you know, and just contentment. Mm-hmm. And those are good things, you know, mm-hmm. and you do sometimes have that around the holiday season, I think, because we plan for it or because it is such a high ideal mm-hmm. in our culture that people will strive for it. Right. But I'm not sure that that's always what I think about when I think about the word peace in a deeper context, because just what you said, I think if you wanted to look at, at culturally, peace is an absence of conflict, but sometimes to get to peace, you have to have conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what does peace look like in the midst of Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of that. Right. Which is harder. It is harder. Yeah. So say a little bit more about that. Say a little bit more about peace in the midst of conflict. And maybe if there's a time where you've experienced that. Oh, I feel like I'm experiencing it right now mm-hmm. in many ways. Again, as I have leaned into the concept of Advent and the longing you know, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. is my favorite Advent song mm-hmm. because it exactly expresses what I have come to appreciate about it, that we are in the middle of a life that is hard and messy and complicated and not perfectly tied up. We have a hope, mm-hmm. which is, you know, an expectation, not just a wish, but an expectation that someday, somehow... God, the divine, will come and make it all better. Mm-hmm. But we don't live there right now. Right. It's that, you know. So we live in the tension of that. So how do we express peace in that? I think that that hope is our peace, mm-hmm. that someday it will be better. And I, I really, truly have experienced, now maybe this is my personality, but I do feel like I can still feel that contentment in knowing that, mm-hmm. even in the midst of the hard things. So even as I am so torn about the pain in our world, you know, the refugee situation, um, the caravan of of refugees, you know, the the things that are happening, the racism, all the things that are in our world, our country specifically, that are very real and raw, Mm -hmm. that I can grapple with those. I can cry with those who weep. I don't want to shut it away. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be a temptation and has been for sure just to say, you know, I just don't want to look at that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's too much. It's painful. And honestly, um, something that I just heard recently, you know, it's a definition of privilege to be able to say, mm-hmm. I don't have to. I'm going to step in it and I'm going to step out of it. Yeah, because I don't have to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't have, I have white skin, so I don't have colored skin that are going to make me a target for other people or you know, my sexuality or my citizenship status or whatever it is. Like if I have the definition of privilege is saying I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to say I don't think that's what Jesus does. Right. I think that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, means that he lives with us right in the midst of the mess, in the muck, Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and the struggle and the pain that I also want to be there, but that I can also see and know love there and a sense, I think in the message, Eugene Peterson says, a sense of all things working together, settling down Mm -hmm. and knowing that ultimately we are held by love, Mm -hmm. even in the midst of all of the mess. I've been studying peace a little bit for a message I'm getting preparing and looking at that, you know, what Jesus said that to his disciples that when he was getting ready before he was crucified, saying, I'm going to give you a gift. And the gift was the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to give you peace. And it's not peace as the world gives. Mm -hmm. And so then I thought, what would a Jewish rabbi know of peace? What would be his definition of peace, which then would be shalom? Mm Mm-hmm. And looking at shalom and the definition of shalom, which is wholeness. Mm-hmm. And one of the places it's used in the Old Testament, I'm not going to remember what the specific chapter and verse is, but it was translated as it is well. Yes. And I really liked that. I re- so I've been sitting with that of the pieces, it is well, which then made me think of the hymn, it is well, even when storm billows roll, right. even when there's all this turmoil that to be able to say it as well. And I'm a doer. I'm not a beer. So then I, you know, what what do I do to to have that kind of peace, which is counterintuitive because it's a being thing. So is that is that anything that you've had to wrestle with? Oh, yeah. For sure. I, I, I'm smiling at you mm-hmm. because I am also a doer. Mm-hmm. I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a mover. You know, like I just don't like to sit. Um, so that has been one of the biggest lessons I would say of 2018 for me has been the idea of just being mm-hmm. in God's presence. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is like a whole week long conversation that I could have with people <laughs> because it's been so deep and so all reaching into all the areas of my life, Mm -hmm. but learning to just be with God and how that changes me. And even it sounds so simple in some ways, like, of course, I mean, it's not like I haven't heard about being with God. I grew up Mm -hmm. in the church. I'm Mm -hmm. a pastor's daughter. I went to a school where I got a Bible degree in addition to my degree. You know, like I, I'm very, very well inversed in evangelical Christianity subculture. But at the same time, the idea, we are a people, especially Americans, and maybe all Westerners, but who want to do. Mm -hmm. That's how we look at the world. So even our spirituality is doing. It is praying. And do you have a list? (laughs) Like an agenda. An agenda, right. Mm -hmm. Which, again, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But for me, I have just realized that it it was more about doing than just being in God's presence and being Mm -hmm. transformed by that. Because it is transformative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that seems to kind of run counterintuitive to my general cultural mindset of like, you need to do, right. you know, to, to lose weight, to get in shape, you need to do this or not do that. And we, we approach our Christianity the same way instead of just stopping and being, even mm-hmm. though obviously there's right for the scriptures, you know, be still and know that I am God sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that it has been learning to sit in God's presence and let that be prayer. Mm-hmm. That has become prayer to me. So I use the word prayer still. It's a good word. But it means something different than what it did five years ago. Because when I find that if I can sit and try to just really focus on reality, which reality means that I, God is with us, mm-hmm, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we aren't yet complete. We aren't yet whole in mm-hmm. this, the way that Shalom once you know, promises. 
but that even right now, I am completely known mm-hmm. and held and surrounded by love. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I can kind of quiet the monkey brain enough to just be present, because I think that in that sense, sometimes God to me is off there, you know, in the future, in the past, up mm-hmm. in heaven, not like in this moment with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I experience that, even right now I have chills on my arms. It, it has been, I have to step back. It is a, a burning bush sort of a feeling to me mm-hmm. like I'm like oh oh like <laughs> wow God is right here and so there and there's all of a sudden I'm awake to for just a few seconds mm-hmm. to the joy and the love and that peace right. that I think is truly it does come in and say I got it mm-hmm. I got it like not that I don't care not that there isn't real struggle you know not that we shouldn't do anything about that but that that does come in and settle me down and ground me mm-hmm. with the truth, I would say, about reality, and that everyone around me is known too. Right. You know, so just being able for a few seconds, as much as I'm able to be present to it, to God, mm-hmm. to reality, that is my peace. And that enables me to go out and try to be peace. Right. You've been, haven't you been doing a labyrinth? I have. Of prayer? Yes. That has been one of the things that has been super transformative to me this year. I didn't grow up with a liturgical tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a non-denominational church. So, you know, yeah. you make up church. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have our own sort of liturgy when you look back at it. But mm-hmm. um, So I didn't grow up with a lot of these very ancient spiritual practices. So I stumbled across a labyrinth this past spring, mm-hmm. which was very late for us here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, once the snow melted, just just down the street from my house at an art center. Mm. And I thought, huh, I, you know, I've read about labyrinths now. I know what that is. It's not very big. I think I'll just go walk it. And I tried to just do that, try to be present Mm -hmm. since that is kind of my lesson for the year. So like, as I walk this labyrinth, could I just be here and be, Mm. try to be awake Mm -hmm. to God? And it's in a beautiful setting too. So nature speaks to me. So just the Godness that I was surrounded with. And honestly, it, it wouldn't be this way for everybody. You know, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. But that one time I, I had to sit down and, and almost recover my senses. Mm-hmm. Like the spirit's presence was so palpable to me there. And it's possibly just because I walked into something and it was like, yes, I can meet you. This is something that I can do with you. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, then I was I was just drawn back to it and kept doing it. So that practice this year, you know, obviously you are doing something a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're moving. But you're moving your body in a way that frees your mind. Yes. So it's almost like I worked for Aveda salons and we'd go to classes at Aveda all the time. And in the middle of the table would be all kinds of things to do with your hands. Yes. Because these were stylists and estheticians and people who were always doing things with their hands. And to sit at a table and listen was really, (laughs) was difficult if they were going to focus. But if they could have that nondescriptive movement of their hands, it would free their mind. Yes, absolutely. I'm the same way. In fact, even though I'm a verbal processor, I can't sit still. I'm Mm -hmm. a pacer. If If I'm on the phone, I'm leaving a box, I'm walking around my house. And I have found that that is kind of a personality thing where it is your body has to be moving for your thoughts to be moving and Mm -hmm. for you to pay attention. So both the labyrinth and yoga Mm -hmm. this year, I kind of say yoga is like prayer or meditation for my body Mm -hmm. because I'm doing something, but at the same time I'm trying to relax and focus 
my attention, mm-hmm. um, which just, again, personality-wise, my, my attention is always on eight different things. I'm very squirrel. Right. And, you know, just <laughs> it's hard for me. And, and that, that can be a good thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But mm-hmm. when it comes to paying attention and realizing that God is with me right now, mm-hmm. it's not always a gift. Not always a blessing, no. as Beth Moore would say. <laughs> that has been just huge to me this year, to do that labyrinth, to do yoga, to be in God's presence. And it has awakened a wellspring mm. within my soul of joy, which is kind of unexplainable, except that I think that only joy in the midst of chaos and sadness and hard things is only come from God. Mm-hmm. I think that's a divine gift. Mm-hmm. Much like the peace. That Jesus Much like peace. To, exactly. And that's about. what I was going to say. The peace is the second that like it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I just keep walking away with. You know, whether I'm coming with my own personal problems or the ache of the world that's broken and the people that I love that are caught in the in the trenches, I always don't walk away with a sense of like, oh, it doesn't matter. Mm. It matters. Mm-hmm. It deeply matters. I believe that God is also grieved, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You are loved. Mm-hmm. They are loved. I am right. loved. So Right. And to strike the tension of that it will be okay and it's hard. Right. It's the it's the both and right is is sometimes hard to sit in ourselves and then to sit in or to put words to to sit in that with somebody else. Yeah, that I can think, be hard. I think our culture and I think this is one of the things we've talked about this year in our little church services mm-hmm. in the lobby <laughs> is that I grew up very dualistic and I think American culture probably is very mm-hmm. dualistic. You know, it's an either or like this is true and then that's not. And so learning that there's a lot of places where it is a both and Mm -hmm. is, wow, kind of mind-blowing to to start to reframe so many things in life. So exactly to say, okay, Christmas can be, you know, we can watch a fun movie on TV. We can open presents. We can bake cookies, which, you know, I mean, what does that have to do with the birth of (laughs) the Messiah? (laughs) Not much, but they're yummy. And that's okay. And my kids look forward to it. So to hold those things, which are just very sweet Mm -hmm. with this tension of the the ache and the longing that Advent truly describes is a lesson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lesson. It is. Something that we started doing, goodness, when the boys were young, we never said there was Santa Claus and we never said there wasn't Santa Claus, but we did send mixed messages by, you know, taking them to see Santa Claus yes. and have their picture taken with him. But we started celebrating St. Nicholas Day. Yes. And have always talked about who St. Nicholas was, the actual man, right. and talked about the legend of the man and what he did, which I really have enjoyed because the legend is that he was giving. Right. And the people didn't know who to thank, and so they thanked God. Mm. And it's been a great lesson with my, with our boys to be able to say, look at the legend of this man, right. St. Nicholas, and what he did and how he served. Maybe there's a way this Advent season we can do the same. Yes. Maybe we can find somebody that needs something and we can help them anonymously, right. just like St. Nicholas did. And I, I love that idea of... Honoring the like the legend, using that to teach something that is actually a principle, right? That of Jesus saying, right, give and don't let your left hand know what your or your don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Right. right? Yeah. We yeah. To, we also told our we have never completely sold the Santa myth. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about it and we don't say necessarily straight out that he's not real, but we 
we never pretend that he is mm-hmm. completely real. Like, so if they ask yeah. us, we say it's a fun story. But, you know, we don't announce that necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, we wait for them to ask. But we did do St. Nicholas. But we said, you know, he lived a long time ago, <laughs> which prompted my first grader to go to school and be like, oh, Santa died a long time ago. Oh. <laughs> and we were like, no, no, not were those parents. It is such a good story that it's worth, I think, what you're doing there is you're blending those two worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is actually where it came from. And, and where we are today has very little to do with right. like, actual St. Nicholas. But that's this is technically, you know, where it started. So just to be able to bring those things in. And I think my kids are getting a little bit older, so it gets a little easier because they mm-hmm. start to sense it in their own spirits. But even the idea of how do you create peace in the midst of a season that can feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. with everything mm-hmm. is saying, okay, well, presence is more important than presence, you know, right. being with people, presence. Let's let's focus on that, um, which is, again, the message of true Advent is mm-hmm. that, that God has come to be with us, right. moved into the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's some things that we are trying to do with our family over this season to give our kids experiences that hopefully they will taste and see mm. that kind of peace. Mm-hmm. And we, we're we trying to do it, especially for teenagers, where they're very aware of the, discom- the, the discomfort in their own selves, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and in the world. And so that's when you want to go, well, why are we even celebrating when all this is going on? Or I'm feeling this way, or people don't see me who for where I really am. Yeah, you know, that's the real world. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're not still loved and that we can't still do this and that we can't, you know, trying to teach some of that right. both and mm-hmm. stuff, which mm-hmm. Korean did. I mean, it's hard for us as adults. It's a lot <laughs> right. for a 15 year old, but I always feel like if we can just get them to experience it in some way, mm-hmm. even if they're not completely buying in on the backside, I really believe that taste and see, you know, that you will be, your appetite will be whetted. Mm-hmm. I want my mm-hmm. kid's appetite to be whetted for God. And and to to be like yeah I, I liked that like there was something deeper there um, there was something richer there there was mm-hmm. something that nourished my soul instead right. of just the surface stuff like I really liked the toy I got right you know yeah. so yeah we started doing as a family and like literally seven days ago started this is not something we usually do this is a new thing but on the Bible app you can start a plan and you can invite people so the Ooh. four of us are doing a Bible study together yeah. and then everybody goes in and comments after you do your reading you comment and my 13 year old commented that when people do good good things happen and I was like <laughs> Okay, he's 13. Like, how much can he get the tension of yes and no? Yeah. Like, we should strive to do the right thing and be honorable and be kind, but that's not going to grant us right. this reward for doing that. Right. And so, like, like, try to clumsily have a conversation about, mm-hmm. well, yes and no, but, I, what, but what you were saying about at least set them up for... It's not yes. Right. So if you can at least like hang on to that loosely. Yes. And then figure it out as you get older. Right. But to not set them up but with black and white. And maybe black and white is just a natural part of the spiritual formation process. But I feel like I'm more I'm more comfortable now in the gray. Yeah. And how do I set my children up? To not have to spend as much time right. <laughs> without mystery right. of God and without the yeah. tension. Right. You know, how do we teach or set up or create space for 
them to to get there faster. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. And obviously, every generation, we take kind of what we had and we say, well, I want to mm-hmm. tweak that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel the same way that there was just so much that was handed to me that was black and white. And in fact, in college, when I was really struggling and trying to make my faith my own, mm-hmm. uh, I read a book and and one of the authors said, John Fisher, that we are a generation that has been given the answers and told not to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, because like it's we've saw so, like our parents or maybe our grandparents had solved it already. So they were kind of like, well, why are you asking? Like, here's right. just the answer. Mm-hmm. But that that is a necessary part of struggle is like being able to the wrestle, uh, the wrestle and mm-hmm. to be able to have the permission to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. That's taken me a long time. So I'm trying to do that with my kids, too, to say, look, God is bigger like it just not it's not as easy to break it down into this dichotomy of black and white, you know, mm-hmm. good and bad. It's not it's it's it really is truly relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, which we say all the time, but relationship is messy. You know, it's right. not something that's easily defined and mm-hmm. a, a ten step list to a better relationship doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's about you and that other person and, and where you are in life and what's going on. There's just a lot of variables. So yeah, we're always hoping that we can help our kids to walk into just a little bit more authentic. You know, I don't want to set them up for a big fall. Not mm-hmm. that there was a huge fall for me, but yeah, to say God is bigger mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. cool. Right, right. Yeah, like that's exciting. Yeah. And, he's, and sometimes I don't know. Oh, you, I love saying gonna, I don't know yeah. to my kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just because, I mean, and uh, for me, I've under, undergone a little bit of a face shift in the last few years, which is kind of a deconstruction or reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And that was right when my oldest was going through her teen years. Mm-hmm. So for better or worse, she would throw something out there and I'd be like, yep, me too, girl. I don't get it. Like I, I'm struggling too. You know, she grew up in a Christian school and everything was handed to her. And so then she, you know, was like, okay, but what about this? And I'd say, yeah, I don't know. I'm asking the same question right right now. And what I'm learning is that I can tell you as your mom and as somebody who's a little bit further down the road of faith is that it's okay to ask the question. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's really important to ask the question. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God honors it. Right. Just like God honors your your grief, you Mm -hmm. know, like the the reality of your your true self. So bring it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, as you were talking to, I was thinking too about the tension of there is mystery, but there are some things too that are pretty defined as well. But but it's still okay to wrestle in those and with those and right. God's big enough to to handle that. Right. Right. Yeah. You just want to be engaged in those things. I think that's what our <laughs> culture doesn't do a very good job. And maybe in some ways it's getting back to it, you know, with spiritual practices. Because even as we've had discussions about the nuns, you know, and the people in America who say they don't go to church, they have no re- religious affiliation at all, and mm-hmm. how it's skyrocketing amongst um, really Gen Z and millennials, you know, like that just people aren't, they don't see the traditional church as relevant mm-hmm. to their life or they're pushing back against it. But yet there's still a hunger. Right. We don't want to neglect the spiritual things, right? Mm-hmm. So saying to to my kids, to teenagers, to those who are just getting near those teen years, you know, like there is a hunger here. Don't let culture, don't let the Disney channel like mm-hmm. fool you into like, this is all life is. Right. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's deeper meaning, there's deeper beauty, there's deeper wrestle and we want to call you to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had heard recently about Barna had done a study that millennials that, that say that they are Christians are, a lot of them are not in the church, right. but they're having, like we have church in the lobby. They have church by going out with their friends. Right. And so they're still getting the fellow. They're getting it, it sounds like, in pieces. So they have fellowship with their friends. And for a sermon, they're listening to podcasts. To podcasts, absolutely. Because all the, you know, right. all the big pastors have 
their summer ends on a podcast. Right. So mm-hmm. might it look different in mm-hmm. the future? Are a lot of the traditional, you know, outlines of what church meant falling away? That's not necessarily a bad thing, even though there's a lot of, you know, hair wringing and, right. you know, oh, no, um, all these people that aren't affiliated with religion. I don't mm-hmm. think that there is a any less of a hunger for spirituality, you know, for like for saying there's a part of me that wants something more. Right. That's how I would define that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to look for that. And a lot of people are. They're finding different ways to meet it, but yet they're rejecting something that was built up maybe to be not healthy. You know, and I, I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people even talking about hope within our Christian culture. There are people who are really seeing that and they're saying that, you know, they're saying, look, the church might not exist the way we think it will mm-hmm. in 50 years, but couldn't that be actually a really good thing? I mean, could it look more like the early church? Mm-hmm. Could it be more house churches mm-hmm. and smaller, mm-hmm. smaller? Right. Yeah. So that's not, again, it's not a bad thing. And so teaching our kids to walk in that. And to be prepared for that, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, to say, hey, you know, it doesn't have to look like this, but that doesn't mean that God's not still calling you. Right. Exactly. This was so good. We got a little off topic, but. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it comes back to peace. Right. Yeah, it does. I mean, peace and what you were saying about Emmanuel, about God with us and finding the peace there. And we don't have to go into the church. Right. A church building for that to happen. Right. And we don't even yeah. have to be in Christmas, right? We talk right. about it. Mm-hmm. Prince of Peace, obviously, the peace of Christmas. There's lots of phrases in just our you know, secular sort of culture. It doesn't have to be tied into religion. But just knowing that right now we're in a season where we have the opportunity to maybe focus on it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's something that is, why do people like Christmas season? They like that people try to be nicer and mm-hmm. kinder mm-hmm. and say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays and smile at people and exchange gifts. We're just making more of an effort. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're, we have this opportunity to say, wait, what does this really mean? And what? how could I lean into this? How could I experience God with me mm-hmm. today in the mess and the muck and even tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So the question I'm asking during this series is, what is a favorite Christmas memory or tradition that you mm. have? Okay. Well, I know that this is something that we kind of share. My mom, growing up, every year would give all four kids in our family an ornament so we would have uh, little ornaments every year. And she was really good about, not every year, but trying to symbolize something mm. that went with that year. You know, so I have a little mailbox when I first moved to college. Mm. And she wrote my, you know, like P.O. box number on it. That sort of a thing. So the cool thing, you know, when we were little, we liked it and we enjoyed unwrapping our ornaments every year. We each had mm-hmm. a bag that obviously I'm the oldest. So mine was always the biggest because I had been around <laughs> the most years. And then when we married, we took them. Mm-hmm. So I still have my bag of ornaments. And so I've continued that tradition with my children. And it's just one of those fun things. We actually don't have room in our house for a very big tree. Mm-hmm. So bless it. It's just weighed down. <laughs> we can hardly put on a traditional <laughs> ornament anymore. I have some, mm-hmm. but my kids, I also have four children, you have so many ornaments that they get them out. They're like, oh, this one from when I was a baby and this mm-hmm. one I was two. And it's just really fun. It's fun to see it all represented there. And then we also do family ornaments every year, at least one. Mm-hmm. We try to make it maybe around a trip or some family memory. Because I know now that I'm the mom, I'm like, they're going to take all these ornaments away yeah. from me someday. <laughs> and that's what the point was. But having some that are family-centric mm-hmm. as well that can stay with me even after the children have flown the nest. Right. It's just one of those fun things. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes, like when I was putting my Christmas tree up, I was thinking about it's bittersweet. Yes. Bitter because there are memories of those that have got, are, that are gone. Right. And gifts from, ornament gifts from them. And then, you know, ornaments from trips we've taken or 
you right. know, the family ornament. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it sweet. It does. Mm-hmm. It's very nostalgic, right? Mm-hmm. But I think in a good way. Yeah. You're surrounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much oh, for coming my on. Pleasure. I loved this. Yeah. Come on down to my side of town and we'll have a swinging sign. Oh, Merry Christmas. Let's share some cheer tonight. Thank you for joining us today at the table. Any information mentioned in the show or things we talked about can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please leave a review so that others can find us too. If you want to keep up on what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us on all the social medias at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angie Smith. MN. We'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. And so this Christmas, I hope you'll take the time to come on down to my side of town, cause you're a friend.